Welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's media producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about how to prepare for an exhibit. Um, and this is something that uh, Rebecca has been going over for um, the past few weeks. She has an exhibit coming up herself. Uh, with me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Yes, I do have an exhibit opening at Thomas Dean's Fine Art in Atlanta, Georgia, on February 8th, and it goes through March 11th. And so I have been involved in um, getting ready for the show for quite a long time. That's kind of what we're going to talk about, like the long view, as well as the stuff you have to do when it's getting down to the wire. It, it's 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 quite a pro, uh, process. And I think a good place to start actually is um, actually getting that show in the first place. <laughs> and we, we won't go into the whole getting into a gallery thing or whatever, because we've gone over that. Um, in other podcasts, but assuming that you you either you are in a gallery or you, maybe you're looking at some kind of uh, like a community art space or some other place, a university gallery, somewhere else where you want to have an exhibit, and so how do you how do you get that exhibit? You know, it's um, it takes a little bit of of guts, I think, to go after it <laughs> to to know that you're ready to show your work. And you're eager to show your work. You have to be excited about it. Otherwise, the whole thing is can be very tedious, I would say. <laughs> uh, but it is exciting. And so, if you're if you're already with a gallery and at, at they haven't offered you a show recently or ever, I feel like it's fine to just ask for one. You know, just bring it up to the gallery person and say, "I feel like I'm ready for a show. What do you think?" And it doesn't have to be a solo show. In fact, solo shows are getting less and less common. It seems like a lot of galleries now are doing two-person shows. And that's what I have going on in Atlanta. And it's it's quite nice there because the gallery is actually promoting it as more like two solo shows than a, than a two-person show. In other words, we each have our own announcements and catalog and um, I think the work's going to look really interesting together. But I th I appreciate that the gallery is not uh, putting us together necessarily in terms of their pub publicizing. Um, so, so when they actually hang the work, is it are, are works hung side by side, or do you have separate sections of the gallery space? Um, that I do not know, and that um. You know, one of the points I wanted to make with, with talking to your gallery is that you kind of have to leave that sort of thing up to them. I mean, you can voice your opinion. And I I usually leave it up to the gallery to know what's going to work best for their space and also for the person that they pair you with. If it is a two-person show or a three-person show, sometimes, um, not in this case at all, I, I really like the other person's work, Thaddeus Radell, but... It, it may be that you look at the person you're paired with and you think, hmm, that, that doesn't seem to work for me. But kind of, I feel like you just kind of have to accept that. And, and sometimes you can be very surprised at how well it works together, even though you didn't picture it that way in the beginning. So when you're working with a gallery, there's certain decisions that they're going to make. If you're approaching 
say, a, a regional arts center or other uh, community space, you know, you can definitely make your own proposal, whether you want it to be a one-person show or whether you have other people in mind that you would like to include. And you have more, maybe more control then about how it's going to look. Um, some galleries invite you to participate in actually hanging the show or giving your input. Most of them, I would say, and, and the commercial galleries, most of them just kind of prefer that you drop the work off and go away. <laughs> and that, that's always been kind of okay with me. Um, but it depends on your work, you know, how much control you kind of want over that. So I guess if you're, if you're thinking about, you know, generating this whole idea and getting it going, I think one of the first things to consider is, are you ready right now? Or how much time do you need to get ready? And most places are going to be scheduling a year away. Not always the case, though. I, I just was invited into a group show, which is opening in March. So um, it's much more last minute. Uh, but that's a group show. And I, I do have I don't know, seven or eight pieces in it. So it's significant. That one is in um, Chipping Camden, England. <laughs> so it doesn't always, you don't always have a lot of time, but usually you have a year or give yourself a year. And then when you approach a place, you may find out it's even further away than that. Some places will be scheduling more than a year out. Um, so that's kind of one of the first things is just to, to generate it happening. And you don't always have to make that step. A lot of times the gallery will say to you, it's time for a show. And then again, you have to think, am I ready? Do I want to do this? Is this the right time for me? Most of the time you're going to say, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> because they are, they are exciting opportunities to for people to see a body of your work together and to talk to people about your work and maybe get some publicity, maybe have a chance to give a talk or something. So um, I think the other thing to think about at the very beginning when ideas are being generated about having a show is if you want to have a theme to your show, you know, do you want all the work to relate to a particular experience or something you're working with, some technique, or is it going to be sort of a just a selection of what you have you're working on. And I think either one is absolutely fine. It sort of depends on your own preferences or the venue that you're working with, what, what they have in mind. Mo I would say most most of the ones in commercial galleries that I've done have just been this is what I'm doing and the work all relates because I tend to work in series or with particular ideas over time. So what do you need to do to get ready? Okay. So once once you have a date and a, a venue and all that, and, and you're it's okay, maybe it's quite a long ways away for now, but you can still start getting some pretty good particulars about what's going to be expected. So you can ask about I, I'm, I think from here on, I'm going to sort of say this is dealing with a commercial gallery because a lot of these things – if they are a different type, like a non-commercial space, it's going to be a little bit different. You you probably have, um, you could probably set a little bit more of your own timeline. Although again, it depends on the venue 
how much they need ahead of time from you. And there's a lot of variables here, which we, we can't cover all. But in general, you want some kind of a timetable. And so you can ask right up front what that is. How far ahead will the venue need publicity materials, which will include something about yourself, some type of bio, resume maybe, a statement, and some photos of work and yourself. And they they use all that stuff for press releases or online information. And some of it's a little bit hard to do far ahead of time, I find. I kind of like to write my statements closer to the time that I'm actually exhibiting because I want the statement to be about the work that's actually in the in the exhibit. And anything that has to do with specific pieces that you want to include, that, for me anyway, that's pretty hard to say, you know, a year away. It's impossible, actually. And most places are fine with that. They'll give you some kind of a timeline of when they want things, and they'll always be um, you know, it's, it's close enough to the time for most of it that you can work with it. And basically what you want to know are expectations. How big is the space? How many pieces will it take to fill it? Are there size restrictions or sizes that are being encouraged? Large, small, mid-sized? And some usually pretty flexible, even if a even if a venue says, well, we'd really like large works only. And as it turns out, closer to the time, you have a series of smaller ones that you'd like to put in the show. You know, in my experience, most, most people just want it to be a good show and they'll, they'll listen to your ideas as well. And, um, another thing to find out is, do you have any financial obligations? And usually you do not for a commercial gallery, but I have worked with galleries that want you to contribute to, say, the announcements. If they're doing some sort of special brochure or something a little bit out of the ordinary. And and sometimes you have a choice. Well, do I want to have something a little special or will I go with the standard small postcard mailing? Sometimes though it's it's kind of expected and if if it's a place that doesn't provide a reception and most places do then you may have some obligation if you want food and drink to come up with that but that would be you know not the normal thing normally that stuff is is covered um and another thing to think about is I guess how do you want to present yourself at the exhibit? Do you it's really good to be there. It's really good to be at the opening. Do you want to do anything extra? And this may or may not be suggested for you, but a lot of places if you'd say um you know I'd like to give a little talk, they will be very pleased about that because it's always good to help people that are looking at your work understand it better. And to meet you in person and hear you talk about it is usually a big plus for everybody. Um, and I realize in saying that, that um, public speaking is not everybody's thing. 
<laughs> Are there opportunities to use technology to make that easier? Um, you know, I'm thinking about your, you have a show coming up in England in March, you say, that is kind of last minute. Are you going to be able to attend? And if not, will you be able to maybe Skype in or something oh. like that? Yeah. Well, I won't be able to attend it, but that's that's an interesting idea. I'd love to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, when you said technology, I also thought sometimes you can have some kind of a monitor going in the in the space, in the exhibition space, where maybe you'd have a video of yourself working or some other thing that you've put together. And I've had that happen at at openings, show a video of myself. And people love that, although, you know, sort of cluster around the the video rather than looking at the paintings sometimes. <laughs> it seems to be everybody's inclination if there's something moving on a screen. But I also think it's a good way to present extra information. And you can you can always ask if that's an option. I know I had a I had an exhibit a few years ago in which I showed a lot of paintings that related to my time in Ireland. And I had a, a video screen just showing a slideshow of photographs of the locations that where I'd been in Ireland. And they, they do feed my work. I don't copy photographs, but the point of the of the slides was just to say, here's the setting. This is the environment I was in. And that show was in a public library. And so there were all kinds of people coming through not necessarily the same crowd that goes to an opening at a commercial gallery. And I felt like it was really a good, another added step of telling people about my work or kind of an educational step. And I did have good feedback about that. People appreciated seeing how does abstraction relate to an actual location and added that little dimension to it. Um, another thing people sometimes like add-ons, you know, at a reception, maybe some music. Sometimes a venue will provide some music, but maybe you have friends that could come and perform something. It doesn't have to be the whole time, just maybe for 20 minutes or something. And it creates a nice atmosphere. Um, and we, we can say a little bit more about openings at the end if we have time, but they're kind of their own unique little worlds, I think. <laughs> So anyway, think about, yeah, if there's anything extra that you, you'd kind of like to bring to your exhibit. And I would say, you know, be creative. And most of the time, you're going to get a positive response if you want to go that extra distance. And otherwise, providing ahead of time, way ahead of time, just anything that will help get the word out to the to the venue, and then you also can start your own social media stuff. And I don't believe it's all that effective if it's really far ahead. Any of this, people forget, right? <laughs> if you hear about something that's months away, it's probably not going to be something you remember. But it's still okay to say, oh, you know, like on Facebook or something, oh, I'm excited. I just found out I have this exhibit coming up. And especially for people that live in the area where you're going to be showing, if they follow your work, it may very well go into their brains. Oh, you know, remember, it's going to be in this month, or they may put it on their calendar because they're actually going to attend. Um, 
And of course, the main thing you do far ahead of time is you start the work, or you start to see the direction of the work, and you start to envision it. What what's going to look what's going to look good together? What's going to tell a sort of a story of what you're thinking about? And I mean, I I think you sometimes the venue curates your work. I mean, maybe you send a bunch of images t- to the gallery and they they pick the ones they want. And that's what Thomas Deans did for this show in Atlanta. I gave him choices. And so he curated what he wanted to put together. And as I said, I, I appreciate that. I, f- I figured the gallery has an idea of what's going to work in their space and who their audience is. But I also... I wouldn't send anything that I didn't feel really good about. You know, I wouldn't even include that in the choices. And certainly if I were curating it myself, I would be pretty picky. And I think sometimes people put stuff in shows that just to add up the numbers, you know, I need a few more paintings. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's, it's obvious. And that's, that's sort of the worst case scenario. If you're, if there isn't a consistency in what you're exhibiting that shows, you know, your level of expectation for yourself, it can be, it can detract, I think. And so not only making your own selections, but maybe getting feedback from somebody else to look at what you have, either in person or by just sending them some JPEGs or something. And somebody you trust or somebody has a good eye, because we can't always objectively look at our work. (laughs) And I think, you know, to me, a good exhibit has a variety, but a consistency at the same time. So there's a, a consistent flow, there's, you get the sense of the artist's ideas and intentions and what they're interested in. But it is not all slight variations on one picture. And those variations may seem big to the artist, but to the viewer, they're not. And it becomes a bit of a situation of the eyes glazing over. (laughs) You go from one to the next. It's like, hmm, yeah, I think I just saw this one. So as you explore in your work, and, and, you know, my position is that exploration is good, include some different aspects of your subject matter. And if you have a lot of the same exploration, curate that, you know, curate a series series down so it's not too many pieces that's going to become redundant. So these are all eh, kind of tricky points of, you know, there's a lot of nuances about how you might pick the work to go in the show. But I think ideally you are choosing, you have enough stuff going on that these are choices and not let's pull something together. <laughs> if it is last minute, uh, there are strategies. And the other time, sometimes a last minute show comes up because there was a cancellation and somebody backed out of a show. And so you, you might be asked to step in. Whatever the situation is, sometimes shows don't have a lot of lead up time. And you may be stuck with thinking, oh, I don't, I don't have enough work to do this. And this is exactly what 
came through my head when I saw this invitation to show in England because I'm I'm so committed to the show in Atlanta and I have other galleries too that are looking for work and I thought how could I pull this together but I really wanted to do it and I am focusing now on getting some new work done but I'm also pulling a couple of pieces from another gallery that are recent works that will be very appropriate and that's really okay. I mean, it's always your work. And if you want to take it from one place and put it in another place, that is totally up to you. And the only thing I do is I ask the gallery I'm pulling something out of, did you have any plans for this? Or has somebody been looking at this piece? And you don't want to interrupt a potential sale. But otherwise, I don't feel bad about asking for something back. And if you you know, you think of all your work as a sort of fluid, rotating base of stuff, it becomes a little more easy to consider how many exhibits can you do. That said, you want to leave work at a gallery when you're done showing, because typically it takes a while to sell it. It doesn't happen, you know, right at once. But it's all kind of a juggling thing. And I think always just consulting and communicating with the gallery about what they want to hang on to. And they may have something I say, I really don't want to let that go. A lot of people have been looking at it or something like that. And then say, okay, make another choice. So so once you've selected the work for the show, how do you prepare it for the show? Well, there are quite a few things that you you need to do closer in to the time of the show. And so you have to physically prepare the work. That's what I've, I've been doing right now. Not my favorite job, <laughs> uh, which just means, um, well, I don't deal with framing very much, but if you have works on paper or something that needs to be framed, obviously you have to do that pretty far ahead because it can take some time, whether you do it or whether you have someone else do it. And I work on wood panels and so there's a there's a certain uh, simpler simplification there i don't have to frame them all i do is clean up the sides and sand it some people like to put down a varnish or something on the wood and that's another step and if you're working on canvas i don't know just kind of check over the edges sometimes you have to apply something over if you've slopped paint over the edge if you don't like that, you can clean that up with, with more paint. So, so you want to clean everything up and then, um, you, you need to, I, I always just go over it. Like I want to see if there's any little scrapes or nicks along the edge or anything. And I, with cold wax, I take a soft rag and I just kind of buff it a little bit. And I just, I actually enjoy that moment of just, going everything oh, over everything with a lot of attention. It's sort of like my goodbye to my work, you know, and I'm just sort of rubbing it with a cloth and enjoying the surface and looking at everything. And if there are any little nicks or scratches, and I repair those with, with wax crayons, which is what works for cold wax. But if you had some other media, you know, you can just make sure it's absolutely presentation ready. And then on the back of the painting, you you have to put some hanging hardware and make sure you get the kind of hardware that's appropriate for the weight of your piece. Something like a wood panel, it can weigh 20 pounds or something. And I always 
overcompensate. <laughs> I mean, the wire may be marked for 20 pounds, but I'd probably go for the wire that was marked 100 pounds just to be sure. <laughs> and you can get wire that has a plastic plastic coating on it now, which is so much easier to work with than the old style stuff that would poke your fingers and everything. So get some nice wire and I use D-rings and attach them with screws on the back. And the advantage of D-rings is that you can attach a wire to the rings, which is what I normally do. But if somebody doesn't want to hang from a wire, and sometimes when it's actually installed in a house, nobody's going to be moving it, and they don't want it sliding around on a wire, the D-rings are actually what is attached to the wall with a with a nail or a screw. And so it gives a flexibility to use that kind of hardware. And anyway, just make sure everything, your hanging stuff is very secure. Uh, and then... And don't use anything like cup hooks or those little alligator hangers that sometimes come with frames. Those just, they're just not sturdy. And for whatever reason, they don't look professional. And sometimes in this game, it is about image. So <laughs> make your, make your hardware pretty professional. Uh, some people clean up the back of their work and sand this, everything that would be out of sight to the viewer. Uh, I don't, and no one's ever complained about it. <laughs> I don't leave, I don't leave big globs of paint on the back that would, you know, smear or something. But I don't, I, I think a few fingerprints are kind of interesting on the back. So anyway, that, those are personal choices. I, I think you can not do it and it's fine because like I said, I've never gotten complaints about that. And then on the back, you also sign it, put the title, uh, optionally put the copyright symbol and the date. Uh, apparently, from what I understand, the work is copyrighted, whether you actually put that symbol or not, but I always do it. And you notice I said that signing on the back. Again, this is personal preference. It's what I do. I, I have a thing about signing on the front, <laughs> at least if it's obvious. To me, it's distracting to see the artist's name on the front of a piece. If it's done discreetly and all that, you know, that's fine. But I guess that's, that's personal preference. <laughs> if you, if you like to do a big signature on the front, go for it. Um, but, but all those things are, are preparing it for the wall. It's ready to go. Um, I also make sure I take a good photograph and I, I'll, I'll take it with my good camera good lighting, and I take a large file format or raw format photo of everything. And then I just, I, we kind of talked about this before, I, I store that and not just on a hard drive, an external hard drive, but also in the cloud. And it, it's good, it's good to, when you have a valuable photo, you want it in more than one place. So I try to be conscious of that. And that's pretty much it, except for the very next step, which is how are you going to get it to where it's going? So sometimes you're shipping it, and there's so many options for that. Uh, you can pack it yourself. You can have it packed. There are many different shippers that you can look at. I personally have a FedEx account, which brings the cost down a bit for FedEx shipping. And I think you can do the same with, with UPS. 
it, it depends so much on the size of the what you're shipping and and everything. So I I would say do some research about if you're going to use a shipper. There are also art shippers. That's all they do is you know cart art around the country. And if you live in a big city, chances are you can have that done. It's harder if you're not near a place where they can get your work, although you might be able to meet them somewhere with your work and have them put it in. And and they so they're expert at knowing how to handle your work. And usually you don't have to do a lot of pre-wrapping. They usually have stuff that they'll put around the work. It is expensive though. That's probably the priciest way to go. So this exhibit in Atlanta, um, Don and I talked about, well, what's the best way to do this? And I did all this research on shipping and using an art shipper because here I could take my work down to Santa Fe and, and I could get an art shipper. And I priced things out and I looked at everything that was involved in packaging these fairly large paintings. And in the end, we thought, mm, let's just put them in the car and drive to Atlanta, <laughs> which is a long way from New Mexico. Uh, but there, when we worked everything out, it was really a better thing because we'll both be out there. Don can come to the opening and we have a few days in Atlanta and it, it becomes, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun journey. So sometimes when you look at all the that's involved, driving at some place may be your best option if you have the time and if you have a, a car that could handle it, or even renting a U-Haul or something might be worth it. So when I pack stuff in the car, I don't necessarily wrap it all in bubble wrap and everything because it adds a lot of extra space around the work that I mean, it's sort of, it's going to be fairly tight in the car. But what I do is I wrap it in plastic just to protect the surface a bit. And then I, I layer it in with blankets. I have shipping blankets and I have old quilts and that pads it and protects it. And the plastic is kind of important in the event that something should happen to your car <laughs> and you had to get all the stuff out. Or if you're, maybe you're traveling in extreme weather of some type and you don't want to leave it in your car overnight. Like I know right now back in Wisconsin, you're in the middle of, what is it? A polar vortex? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cold. <laughs> so if I were driving to work in Wisconsin right now and I had to spend the night in a hotel, I'd be a little nervous about leaving my artwork in sub-zero temperatures out in the parking lot. So you know, you, you have to kind of think, are you going to have to take the work out of the car at any time on the trip? And if you are, then some extra protection is is a good idea. Um, and so that's kind of maybe overthinking it a little bit. But I have been in a situation where I had a car problem and I had to get work from my car to a rental vehicle. And I was glad that it was, it was wrapped up. So, and um, I guess... Hey, one last very important thing, as the opening draws near, what are you going to wear to the opening? <laughs> so all black, right? <laughs> you That is certainly an option. <laughs> yeah, I've heard jokes about you can't tell if you're at an art opening or a funeral, you know, it's everybody's in black. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something to think about. Do you want to have a little splash to your outfit? Do you want to... 
just be very neutral. Um, I kind of like a little color, actually, myself. And I, I guess that kind of leads into just talking a little bit about about the opening, because if you're going to have a show, you're probably going to have an opening reception. And I think for a lot of artists, there's some definitely some anxiety involved in attending your own opening. <laughs> I mean, a lot of us are a little bit shy or introverted. And, you know, I've had, I've had situations at openings that were really horrible, <laughs> like where I, I felt very awkward, where I felt no one was talking to me. Um, I was, I felt so shy and, and then I've had openings that were really fun and, and exciting. And, and so everything in between. And I guess if you, if you are a little shy or introverted, I guess there's a few things you can do to try to avoid it being the worst case scenario where, where you're standing alone in the room and no one's talking to you. Uh, and I think, I think that's, that's something people imagine. And it is bad, you know, I, I am here to say, but I survived it, so, and went on. One of the things you can do is you can ask the gallery person to introduce you to people. And that's always easier than introducing yourself, right? So if the gallery person says, oh, you know, I'd like you to meet so-and-so, and, you know, they they love art or something, you know, like probably a collector, then... In that moment, it's much easier to say, oh, hi, so nice to meet you, smile. The hardest thing, at least for me, and I know a lot of people, is going up and just introducing yourself to someone who's looking at your work. And I guess if I have to do this, my fallback is, uh, oh, hi, I'm I'm Rebecca Kroll. I'm the artist. Uh, just let me know if you have any questions. Or I might say, oh, I see you're looking at this painting Um do you have any questions about it or something? But it, it does always feel a little weird, honestly. And I I just think you kind of have to do it because there's a tendency at an opening, if if it's somewhere that you near where you live or you have a bunch of friends there or family, how tempting is it to just hang out with the people that you know, right? <laughs> and well and where where I my where my my day job or my night job actually is right now is a um, a beer place and we have brewery takeover events every week um, and you know that's one of the things that is one of our pet peeves as people who are putting on something that this is this is kind of analogous to an art opening where we're putting people's work on display and then they we want them to come and kind of talk with people about it. <laughs> right. And when they just want to sit at a table by themselves with their friends and drink and they don't want to interact with the public, it's kind of like, what do you, why did you even bother showing up? You know? Yeah. And I, I, um, I think it's, I guess we have to look at these events as part of our business and part of our business, no matter what it is, if if our if what we make is being shown to people part of our business is to interact with those people and so trying to figure out a way to do that that feels good for yourself um it, it you know it's like anything sort of takes practice i think to yeah the more you do it the more comfortable you you'll get with it absolutely i mean it doesn't 
it doesn't bother me very much anymore. Uh, even when things are slow or there's not a lot of people there. And I think, I think another thing to keep in mind when you're at the opening is not to, not to freak out or become discouraged by whatever is going on there. So, for example, it's horrible weather and nobody shows up or, or it's nice weather and nobody shows up. <laughs> uh, it's not what you were expecting. Maybe, um, there's there are people there who are a little bit hostile even i've had that experience um i was standing behind a couple of guys at an opening this was fairly recently and i think they were a little drunk or something they're looking at my paintings and they start to kid each other and say oh doesn't it doesn't it move you? And they're just cracking up. Oh, it's so meaningful. And the other one would laugh, you know, and I'm standing right behind them. And I was, I had to walk away and get myself back together a little bit and, and realize, okay, you can encounter rude people even at your own openings. And this is not the first time it's happened to me. Try not to let something like that throw you. People may be critical of your art within your earshot. <laughs> Um, and, um, also we all want those red dots to appear at the opening. That's the dream opening, right? And the gallery person coming up and say, oh, you just sold this one or that one. It absolutely does happen. And when it does, it does really make the night pretty special, <laughs> but it doesn't always happen at all. And you can many times go through an opening without a single sale happening at the opening and, Years ago, somebody said to me, an opening is just a party. It's a, it's a, also from your perspective as the artist, as we just said, it's also, it's business, but for the people coming to it, it's a party and they're seeing people they know, they're chatting. It's always a little weird to see people standing right in front of one of your paintings, more or less blocking it from view and just chatting and talking and nobody's even looking at the painting and and like trying to keep all this in mind that this is just a social event and don't take it too, too seriously as far as what is actually happening there. And typically the next day is when, or sometime soon after the opening, people that are serious about actually buying something will come in and they want to see the work when there's not a party going on and people standing in front of whatever they're looking at, right? So you have to be patient with that and not not feel badly if you know you don't have this glorious night full of sales and when it happens and so well and also there's typically you know wine being consumed and um you know for some people that's going to make them more likely to spend money and for some people it's they're going to say well I'll I'll come back sober <laughs> which you know? is probably a good idea <laughs> yeah um and and speaking of of the availability of wine I, kind of maybe obvious, but as the artist, don't overindulge in the alcohol. <laughs> right. It's You really have to be on top of your game and you really have to be able to speak coherently to people. And it looks really, really bad if, you, if you're not in top shape. And, you know, just the other courtesies of any event like that, just be on time and, and look nice. You don't have to dress up a lot, but, you know. 
I, I think there was an error when artists were sort of expected to show up looking like they just walked out of their studio, but I'd say that's not really the case most of the time. <laughs> so, um, and just, yeah, just be as interactive as you can bring yourself to be, I guess. And some people love openings. Some artists love openings. And if you're one of those people, you know, I, I bow to you and say, I wish I knew how you, how you really can be very, very at ease at an opening because it is hard. Um, but in the end, you know, I usually come away from an opening no matter what happened thinking, oh, that was fine. Or maybe it was great. You know, it's, it's not something so, to be afraid of. Yeah. Well, one area that may be, um, a little bit different from other kind of, um, like product launch type events or, you know, kind of industry parties or things that other kind of circumstances that people may be a little bit more familiar with outside of the art world um, is like business cards. Ah, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. That that's a tricky one. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little bit kind of different in the art world. It definitely is. Okay, so I would say here now I would want to talk about commercial gallery versus non-commercial gallery. So if you're exhibiting your work in an in an art center, a public gallery of some sort, and there's no real commerce expected or going on, passing out your business card is fine and it's good. Even having a rack with your business cards if you're showing in a commercial gallery, it is frowned upon to do that because in general, galleries are quite concerned with the artists uh, selling their work outside the gallery. So if you're handing someone your business card, it may be perfectly innocent. Here's my website, you know, if you want to learn more about me. And, and you think that makes total sense, right? But it's, it's an area in which, and it depends on the gallery, depends on the gallery owner, and you can always ask if it's okay, if you want to do it. But some people will not appreciate that because it may appear that you're trying to sell your work, uh, undersell and to somebody at the gallery opening. So it, it, yeah, just be a little cautious with that. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's something that um, has kind of irked me in the past because we produce a podcast, and sometimes we want to contact artists to talk to them on the podcast. Um, and trying to get contact info for an artist um, at a gallery or, or through a gallery can be um, you, sometimes gallery owners will, will be quite rude about it, actually, mm -hmm. um, yeah, because they think that you're trying to buy directly from the artist instead of going through them. And, yeah. um, you know, it can be it can be quite difficult to deal with that kind of relationship. It is. It's there's a huge range of how I call it territorial, how territorial galleries are. Some of them are very open. They're very fine. Others keep a very tight rein. I will say, usually, if you want to find out about somebody, most artists have their own website anyway, so all you have to do is put their name in to your search. Right. And, and that's then, why it's so essential to have a an online presence where people can easily find you if they're looking for you. Right, because if your only presence is on a gallery website, and there are lots of artists like this, and especially artists that are more well-known tend to not have their own website it it does present a barrier to actually being in touch with a person. 
So, and I, I also think that if you were in conversation with someone at an opening and they clearly had a reason to want to get in touch with you that had nothing to do with buying your work, but it was more personal or some magazine article or something, slipping them your card at that moment would be okay. And just being a little discreet about it. But I think the situation I was talking about was more, you know, going around just passing them out or, hey, here's my card, you know, to every other person. That would probably not be cool. Um, although it would, like I said, probably be fine if it wasn't a commercial situation. So there are so many things that we talk about that are there are different in different situations. There's all these little nuances and things. So it's hard to make a lot of generalizations, but things to just kind of be aware. Oh, this is something that, that might, something I might want to look into before I start just doing it. And one other thing I just want to touch on I, uh, before we close is what happens after the opening. And I, I'd already mentioned that usually sales happen later. And they can happen at any point during your exhibit, and they can happen after the exhibit is down, providing the gallery has kept your work on and it's stored there. And so, the you know, the thing I mentioned was not to become overly anxious if things don't happen right away. But I think along with that is try to be patient. And I think it's good to to check in with the gallery and say, maybe a week has gone by, how are things going? You can call them or you can email them. And that's good. I mean, that kind of shows that you're on it, you're interested. And nothing wrong with that. But I know from talking to friends who own galleries, it is difficult if someone's calling constantly, did you sell anything today? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, That creates tension that you don't, it doesn't need to be there. I, I think trusting that they're doing their job is is good. And verifying it now and then that they are doing their job is also good. <laughs> so, but, but know that it will take some time. And I've often heard that once the show is down, the sales go on because people have put off the decision, the work goes off the wall and they can't come in and look at it again. And they say, okay, I'm just going to buy it so I can look at it. You know, I mean, I've become attached to this painting. I've had gallery people tell me that someone will come in five or six times and just look at the same painting and they're not making a purchase. But once it's gone off the wall, it's kind of a little prompt. Like, okay, <laughs> it's gone now. <laughs> it's in the back room. Do you want it? Um, and so there's a lot of psychology about selling the work that galleries know about. And I, not all galleries are good at selling, unfortunately. But if you feel that you've got a good relationship going with a gallery, I suggest not pushing it by being, you know, too aggressive about it. And, and the other thing in the follow up or after a show is to figure out and I kind of touched on this before too. What, to what, how much stuff do you want to leave there? To what advantage is it to you to leave everything if they want to keep everything? If they're saying, well, we'd like you to take some work back, you know, you can talk about what's best to, to take back for your reasons or their reasons. So that's all just kind of the aftermath of it. <laughs> 
And I think also if you ever, if you have the chance during the show at any time to go in when the gallery is not busy and s- take your time with your own work to see it on the wall, to see it well lit and beautifully hung and quiet in the gallery can be a really valuable experience for yourself as an artist because it's, you're seeing the work at its most beautiful presentation, hopefully. <laughs> and, so it gives you a chance to kind of say, step back and say, okay, what is this group of work about? Or what, what do I see some new directions here? Or whatever it is. I think it's a really valuable thing. So if it's a gallery where you can do that on a quiet day, do it. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I think just to realize the importance of, of having these kind of exhibits. And they are hard work and they, they can push you to your limits of, patience and push you to work very hard but deadlines are good and they always involve deadlines right (laughs) um and they they get your work in front of people and it gives you an opportunity to interact with people about your work so i think most most artists know that it's good to have a show but I do also know that people put them off and don't want to do them for one reason or another because they're challenging and they they definitely get you out of your comfort zone. But I think they're important. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space. Messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.